so ill, you must marry. Welcome to the special edition of Surviving the Shitstorm. It's going to be me in conversation with Nick E, who is the CEO and founder of Vita Mojo. Great business, really forward thinking in the way that they operate. We got to really dug into kind of some leadership stuff, some uh, coaching, the culture of uh, Vita Mojo. What are they? What is their why? That's one of the big questions. What is their why? And that leads into why they're doing everything they possibly can do to support this industry that we love at this moment. It's going to be a great conversation. Enjoy. Amazing. So, first of all, welcome you, Nick, um, from uh, Vita Mojo to uh, this little podcast series. Uh, Nick, do you want to give the guys a bit of an introduction to who you are and what you're all about? Yeah. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Vita Mojo. We're a software company helping restaurants thrive in this new world. Nice. Succinct and to the point. I wish I could do that in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly envious. Mildly <laughs> envious. So obviously, uh, this uh, podcast series is called Surviving the Shitstorm. Uh, there is a huge kind of situation around us right now, and it is constantly changing, perpetually evolving, and it happens quickly uh, and, and more so than we could imagine. So what's happening in the world of Vita Mojo right now? What are you guys working on? Just keeping yourself busy, making yourself useful? Yeah, so we obviously we have the current um, crisis or technical term shitstorm that hit. So we devised this very small framework that allowed us to think about it, the world and, and, and support businesses. So I'm going to give you a 10,000 foot view of what that is and then tell you what we've been doing about it. We say there's four phases of, of, the, of the crisis. Number one is like the shock adjustment period like the first two to three weeks, low productivity, um, everyone just shutting down, people just trying to adapt to working from home, where they get the groceries. It's kind of like a mumbo jumbo. Number two is kind of the temporary normal. And this is where we're at now. This is the world where we have like pretty much lockdown, social distancing, restaurants have to be closed, pubs have to be closed, right? Then we have phase three, which is basically the reboot phase, which is a gradual be a gradual relaxation and reopening of the economy. Some of the barriers will be government imposed. Some will be just economic. The fact that people can't hire enough or don't have staff or don't have money or whatever it is. And stage four is the new normal, right? So what we've been doing um, is, uh, is, is really focusing on how can we help businesses through stage two, uh, stage two and three. Mm-hmm. And understanding that in, what's unique about stage two and three is that UK has two supply chains. Number one is supply chain that feeds supermarkets, uh, yeah, supermarkets and um, home delivery of food, et cetera. And the other one is a supply chain feed, like that was supplying restaurants and pubs and coffee shops and hotels and you name it, right? And one of the supply chain is basically severely un- under pressure and demand. Mm-hmm. To this day, you know, it's hard to get a delivery slot. It's like queues are out the door at supermarkets, stuff's on the shelf. And the other part of Splash is just dead, right? So in phase one, we saw this happening. And I said, it is our responsibility, forget our company and our goals. It is our responsibility as citizens to help people thrive in this business and face stage two and three. So what we've been doing a lot is helping other restaurants or people that supply restaurants. So this would be like grocer people selling like food and veg into restaurants, mm-hmm. sell direct to consumer at their home. 
So two things we did is delivery. Uh, so one is e-commerce. So allow everyone to set up an e-commerce platform free, not kind of what you pay on Shopify, whatever, just free, and then sell direct to consumer. And then two, uh, we help other um, do deliveries. So help restaurants that are in a delivery radius where people do want food, mm-hmm. do their own delivery. For two reasons. One is just so much more cost effective than paying companies, delivery companies, the high percentage that they charge. And then three, so we've done that for either restaurants or for um, the supply chain that got really disrupted, right? So yes, Chef is a new Covent Garden uh, market uh, entrant, for example, that we did this for. So um, yeah, that's kind of the, that's what's been keeping us busy. And at the same time, and this is this will be true for phase two for sure, and probably part of phase three as we reboot this business, this temporary normal, this temporary kind of way of life. Mm-hmm. We want to support people, just keep their uh, businesses alive. But we've also started doing a lot more now is actually helping people think through. Okay, stage four is the new normal. A lot of things will be the same, but also a lot of things will have changed yep. for good. And how can we help them navigate that and actually when they reopen, reopen with a more sustainable business model that fits the new reality? Yeah. Because I think if we have our head in the sand and assume that, eh, you know, we just, just, whatever we're doing before was fine is going to cut it, I think we might get disappointed. So it is, again, our duty to help um, help steer people, answer the question, think through kind of stuff. And, and I mean, the number top line I can say there is the fact that we all, because of higher unemployment, because of lower growth or recession, um, because of people probably working from home, not all the time, but just maybe one day a week becomes the norm, uh, we expect less sales pretty much everywhere. So if you're looking, how do you survive with 20, 30% less sales in a business with like, 15% margin, yep. um, you really have to start thinking creatively about like, how do I simplify my operation? How do I offer the same level of service, but cheaper, right? So what, what costs do I not need? Or where can I drive efficiency? So that's the, the second bit of what we're doing. At the moment. Some real thinking going behind that, isn't there? And I think that kind of that new normal that you're talking about, there's maybe not, I guess there's not a, not a lot of a huge amount of people who are actually already thinking about what that new new normal will look like. There's still a lot of people in the kind of reaction mode, just trying desperately hard to kind of get the government funding to the, any particular loan or grants they could find. And it's still very much in that kind of reactive phase. You obviously, you, you talk a lot about kind of getting people ready for that next phase and you get people thinking about what's coming next. Who have you been working with? So you mentioned Yes Chef that you've been doing some work with. You, you've been doing some work with the guys at Leon on the, the project that they've been getting a lot of coverage for, yeah? Yeah, so we've been working with Leon a lot. We've been working with uh, Leon on all fronts, everything from delivery, click and collect, um, feed the NHS, a lot of the initiatives there. Working with other bigger brands such as uh, Farmer J, um, uh, on to again more about like uh, both e-commerce right now mm-hmm. to phase two and three, but also um, to uh, to how are they going to reopen in a digital in the new normal, and how are they going to be digital first? The, um, you know, Yosushi, uh, Bone Daddies. I mean, there's a very long list of, of, yeah. of, um, of clients we're working with closely, either right now uh, in this temporary period, um, you know, Guzzle from Brixton Market, for example, 
comes to mind. Again, like this mm-hmm. is a kind of an e-commerce opportunity. So either either a mixture of the both, but um, yeah, we've been we've been lucky in a way to have a lot of interest. Of course, you know we're we're not really um, uh, so, so we're lucky in this way, and we're lucky that we can help people thrive through this period. Absolutely. So obviously, kind of switching from being restaurateurs. Uh, which you know it's in our blood. We know what we're doing with that. The system makes sense. It just kind of works. And then saying, right, I'm going to become an e-commerce retailer. retailer. That's a bit of a switch, isn't it? Really. So, what are the potential challenges, uh, or what challenges have the business that you've been working with found while making that switch? Yeah. So, I think marketing and distribution is uh, is, is the harder one. So, I think businesses that were B two B that now went B two C directly to deliver food at people's homes. I think the first challenge was the fact that they're not used to having an audience to have to find people on the internet, right? So I think the challenge there has been more on the marketing distribution side. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, we know how to do that, but we don't, there's not a, so we don't, we're not an agency to provide people yeah. with that. We have been helping by sending uh, people around the links. So on our social media, give them, um, kind of upskilling people on how to use paid social and I kind of teaching people about the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that's shown some really good results and trying to promote their businesses. Ultimately, it's their, it's their business that they, we, um, they end up promoting it. But that, that seemed like a challenge that needed to be overcome. Yeah. Um, and so that was for the B2B company. The restaurants that already had an audience the person that already had an audience, had email addresses, knew how to contact on you know, a B2C brand. So that was not really a, a big of a problem or a problem. I think their challenges were around logistics. Like, I have all this demand. How do I even, um, how do I even manage to deal with all this work, right? So you have just the inf- almost not infinite demand, but an incredible amount of demand for what is otherwise a, just a startup doing e-commerce and selling you know, groceries. Yeah. So I think there we're helping more on the logistics side and um, implementing, helping them implement some other software to help them with the picking supply chain management, which we of course don't do. So that that was, I'd say, the two themes we've seen across. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's for anybody, I guess. When you're going from zero to sixty uh, in about five seconds, to have a little of that support in the background to be behind you can feel tremendous and it can make the world a difference. And I think there's a lot of people who, obviously there's a lot of people's businesses have, have closed down or have been kind of mothballed as we speak, but there's a lot out there who've really kind of gone and said, right, we're going to do this. So um, I was chatting with Tim from Yummy Pubs, who's done a great job. Yummy have done a great job of actually kind of launching a grocery business from the, one of their pubs out in Surrey. Uh, they've launched a new burger brand for takeaway and delivery but it's a very different way of operating, you know, and having to find those systems and processes and how that all kind of ties together can be quite dramatic. And I think knowing that you've got somebody around you who can give you a bit of support, who's maybe kind of got a bit of experience there is a wonderful thing. It makes the world of difference. And I think having that gives you the confidence to say, I'll do more and I'll, I'll push a little bit harder rather than, you know what, maybe I'll just take it gently and see what comes my way. I think there's a lot of, uh, as again, I think hospitality folks, we're a resilient bond by bunch by nature. It's built built within us, I think. You know, I think we spend a lot of time kind of rolling with the punches and you think, okay, so I'll go with it again and I'll go with it again. Having that instinct is good. Having that support behind you is the thing that really kind of just pushes you forward and says, yeah, let's, let's make this work. 
And I think those examples that you mentioned, obviously the Leon example is huge. You know, it's had a huge amount of coverage. It's done a huge amount of really good work. Looking at the kind of the um, the Farmer John's, looking at the kind of the Yes Chef, they're all doing really good work now. And I think that's it's an amazing thing to see, to be honest with you. When you think about those operators, what what do you think their their new normal will look like going beyond this? So those people who are introducing an e-commerce business now, do you think they're going to look at it and make the decision that actually going forward, this will be part of what they do, part of what they offer? Do you think they could do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely be, so as we go to, to the new normal and this period passes, there's definitely opportunities for that to be a, a genuine business. Um, but I don't think that's for everyone. I think from a business point of view, that's smart because you diversify kind of your streams. If this happens again, if lockdown happens again, you have something that works. So you're more resilient as an organization. Yeah. So that diversification makes sense. From a business perspective, from a consumer perspective, um, there can easily be an oversupply of different people selling different things. So I think there'll be winners and losers in the sense that everyone's a winner now through the uh, period. But once you go to the normal, only the brand strong enough with a good enough audience, with a good enough service and product. And let's not forget that that's what people really buy at the end of the day. It, the ones that could have, uh, will have, and will, will retain and become part of our uh, life, right? So, getting a subscription of your favorite foods. Now, let's say maybe you you were you are now working from home two days a week, mm-hmm. and you know your boss can't say, "Oh, that's ridiculous!" Like no one does that. It's like, well, we've all been onboarded and it worked. So, mm-hmm. so you're working from home two days a week, but you still have, like I have, right? I have meetings back to back. Before I could go somewhere in five minutes get get something to eat at home i have to cook right and and so there's a there's still the need for convenience i think there's still the need for some great food that you haven't cooked that you want to eat so you know maybe having a subscription every week where you get you know two two of your favorite meals from your from your favorite restaurant come to your door you just heat them up and and go so i think that's an example of a business that can stick and finding people where they are which was their home yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I think if you're selling toilet paper as an e-commerce platform, you know, in December this year, I I think most of us will have enough toilet paper, uh, and maybe not make a lot of sense to. Uh, and you might be right. Those folks who uh, those folks who were hoarding and who are now trying to sell toilet paper off at any price they possibly can do, I think they've 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 discovered that it's not quite the uh, the golden goose that they felt it may be. I guess is a simple answer. So thinking about that kind of how we operate those, uh, overcome those challenges, I guess the kind of the, the culture of the business is going to be one of the key elements that's going to help us to overcome the challenges that come in our way. Because I think knowing what the challenges are is the starting point, but having that kind of that culture that's driven behind it to help us kind of step over them is absolutely key. So looking at Vita Mojo as a, as a business, because, you know, kind of, I've, I've got a lot of time the way you work, obviously. One of the things we didn't really mention at the start is that you guys have your own restaurant. So you don't just do tech. You've actually put your money where your mouth is and you've said, you know what, we're going to put this out there and we're going to try it and we're going to make it work. So the joy of anybody who thinks I'm going to pick up your tech and think, well, it's it's untested and tried or maybe just done with somebody else. You guys have actually said, you know what, we're going to launch our own restaurant uh, and we're going to make it happen. And it's one of the first places I discovered you and kind of and came across what you were doing and just thought, wow, okay. That's really, A, is really simple. And I am a bit of an imbecile when it comes to technology sometimes, as I've proven with my disconnection. 
So it's quite helpful that it is quite simple and it's quite easy to get through. So you obviously kind of believe that putting your money where your mouth is absolutely key. How, how would you define, how would you kind of, how did you define the Vita Mojo culture within your business? Yeah, so before jumping the culture, to point is that we, have, we are our own experiment. So we're pushing the boundaries so much on what we wanted to do. Um, and when we started five years ago, uh, the idea of like mobile only ordering into a restaurant or mobile in kiosk only ordering into a restaurant, which is some of the stuff, signature stuff that we do, mm-hmm. or that every customer is allowed to chop and change everything they want on the menu by gram, were really revolutionary ideas five years ago. And uh, most people, um, and I tend to agree they were right, we said we we're just foolish to think this is possible or even in demand. And they, they were right. Five years ago, there were no restaurants that wanted to do that. Um, so we ended up saying, okay, game on. Let me show you that customers are ready for it. It's just yeah. that operators are not brave enough to think about it. So yes, we do. We do you know, we're operators. We're, we're hostility people that... Um, sure, my previous background is an engineer, but we, we ate our own dog food. We went there, you know, gone into battle, be there on the front line, and see, not only can we build software, but can we build software that significantly improves customer experience, value they perceive they get, and the bottom line. And that, that was like, that's not a small feat um, to find that win-win. So to your point about culture, and this is connected very much to why and how, uh, what is our culture? So my personal story is, I just mentioned, I was actually working in finance. I run a team of quant, uh, quants, we call them back then, but basically it's data scientists and, and a bunch of other um, economists, et cetera, to try to make decisions, inform decisions about financial markets and basically make money with that. So using algorithms, in a way, we're using algorithms to, to manage money as opposed to passion, emotion. I got sick one day. No one knew what was wrong with me. I went around from doctor to doctor. Long story short, I changed my diet and it changed my life. And from that moment on, I, I really understood that what we eat and how we eat and the, the interaction between food and us has so much more potential than we already have explored. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing business. Like, like food is so personal and, and exciting and and most of the experience we get with food is just kind of disappointing. And that's not because restaurants make bad food. It's probably because customers choose the wrong thing for who they are. They just don't know what they're doing. Right? So I was like, there's just so much untapped potential there between what we can do and what we're doing. So we found a Vida Mojo on the principle of improving the way the world eats. We really wanted to make a big change into that. It made a difference in my life and I believe can impact anyone, whether it's for eating for fun and discovering new flavors, whether it's for health and nutrition, whether it's for treating a disease, it doesn't matter. Like there's an opportunity there. So our culture is really one about like helping, improving. And number one, we have these game rules in our company that kind of govern how we interact with each other or our customers. And uh, number one of the four ones I'm going to bring up is actually Seeking the win-win-win, and the the win one win is for the for the customer. Mm-hmm. Another win is for uh, the company, and the other win is for the employee. Absolutely. And the 
the reason we say for seeking the win-win is because every day we're forced to make decisions and trade-offs. And we're not in the business of ever choosing to do something that's good for us and bad for the client. Even if it's just like a one-off or here and there. We're not in the business of killing ourselves as people and burning out at the expense of the other two either. Mm -hmm. We're in the business of seeking that win-win-win constantly. And it might sound easy, but it's quite difficult. Like to only find the win-win-wins in everything, it requires more thoughtfulness, more conversation, engagement with the customer to say, look, I understand what you're asking for, but these are some of the other things you should consider. And this is some of our constraints. Can we as partners find something that's truly good for everyone? Yeah. And that is one of the key defining things that I'm excited about because it's for such close partnerships with our clients and they appreciate that. They're like, look, they, they're human too, right? Like asking Friday night to have something done that takes four days by Monday morning isn't really going to make uh, anyone materially successful, but it is going to significantly destroy the lives of you know, people working over the weekend and overnight. Yeah. So, and that, that, that's one of the key things in our culture is that trying to do good in the world, improving the way the world eats, but then having our own kind of set of sub-values that ensure that we're doing it in a way and that everyone in the company, whether I'm in a meeting or not, or I'm making a decision or I'm not, that they know, right, I got to hold myself to the standard of seeking the win-win-win and not give up, not give up. Because the, you know what? The first thing you notice is the win-lose or the lose-win. That's the first thing that you notice. That's yeah. the easy one out there. And usually most people just, oh, I got to choose. It's like, no, just sit with it. Ask around, think about it, like get out of the rut. Like where there has to be somewhere a win, win, win. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you make sure your team follow that through? Because it's, there are times when you kind of think, oh, you know, I, I love the concept of win, win, win. I think it makes perfect sense. But we've all been in moments where we just thought, you know what, that's, maybe it's not perfect for me. Maybe that's not ideal for the customer. Maybe that's not great for the business, but it needs to get done. So I'm just going to roll through with it. I'm going to try and make the best of it. How do you ensure that your team aren't having that moment of just thinking, well, it'll be okay. We, it, it's not too bad a loss. We can, we can live with it. How do you make sure they keep on carrying on with win, win, win? Yeah, so that, that, that's true for every of the values and the principles and the gamers that we have, all the other ones. Like, how do you ensure that other people that are not the owners actually respect and do it? And the secret to that, if there is, there's not really a silver bullet, but it is one of first, um, first you recruit for it. So you're very, we're very transparent and very um, open with people about what are purposes? And we want to see if they resonate with that. Is that real? Do they genuinely, passionately want to improve the food world? Do they care about it? Or are they just like, I'm just going to get a job, get a salary, get out? Yeah. Not, 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 not on board with them. They don't come on the bus, right? Number two, we're very clear. We have a deep onboarding and training program to clarify what the expectation is and how to behave. And number three, and for everyone in an organization, we constantly positively reinforce people that display that behavior on a weekly basis. We celebrate people that, that, and with clear examples of how they displayed that week, really lived up to that value when it was hard. And that small celebration every week 
you put it in 52 weeks a year um, and it starts becoming its own thing. And it's not me recognizing is anyone in the company in our Tuesday morning meetings recognizing anyone else. Uh, and, and so that creates kind of that, that kind of momentum keeps growing and becomes it. And I'll tell you what, when we started doing this, the first six months, we barely saw any results. It was like, how long do you keep trying to, to find out? And it takes about like nine months to a year for this to proactively push this up the hill yeah. until it like catches. So I could talk hours about this, but in a nutshell, we recruit the right people. We set clear expectations and then we positively reinforce um, the behavior when we see it. Those specific examples are absolutely key to it, aren't they? I think it's really easy to give somebody a little pat on the back and say, you did an amazing job this week. Congratulations. Well done. That feels very kind of, mm, okay, well, that's great. I did a good job. But what was good? Give me something specific. Give me some clear direction, some clear understanding that you, that you know that I actually did something well. So to be able to lead it with that specific example of this is what you did and this is how it made me feel. And more importantly, this is how it made our customer feel. Well done. That's a wonderful thing. That's the true value there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is that most and the most companies that I've seen is generally they have values like integrity. Mm-hmm. Right? And with seeking the win-win-win, you can argue is exactly about integrity, right? But it's not very useful because integrity is a word. It doesn't tell me what to do as an employee. And nor... Can you recognize someone, oh, you really, like, your integrity was really showed last week, right? Like, what does that mean? So by making the game rules, moving away from, like, single word kind of values, making them game rules, and then getting people, actually, like, defining the win they found there, the win that one then, and that one being specific about it, makes people also not get uh, sometimes fake congratulations. So someone did something great, but really did poor job at everything else that week. And you congratulate them, great, you did a great job last week. And be like, no, actually I slacked off. And there's nothing worse than congratulating someone for something they haven't done. Yeah. Um, so by being specific about what you recognize them for, it also not, doesn't, mix, doesn't give mixed messages about what it is. So that was a triple win right there at a micro level. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, the key of it is it really resonates. I mean. So if, if I speak from my own personal experience, you know, I, I'd, when I was in operations, I would do a lap of the, business, the building before I left every single day. And every single day, I would have something that I was going to speak to every individual about, be, whether it's something that I'm going to challenge them on, that they need to do better, whether it was something that I know that they've absolutely kicked ass. And that's the thing that really kind of sees the difference over time. And you talked about that kind of idea of, you know, it doesn't happen in the first six months. We don't get that consistency. We don't necessarily feel the benefit. So then we have to keep pushing on because we have to believe that it is going to give show, give us the benefit, give the customer the benefit, and give the business the benefit. How did you, as a founder, so how did you guys kind of keep pushing through that and say, I, we believe that this is the right way of working. We believe this is the right way of, of, of behaving. And we are just going to keep pushing through rather than just kind of think, six months in, we haven't got what we expected. We haven't got what we hoped for. So we'll flip and we'll change and we'll do something different. We were so close to doing that. We were so close to giving up because we had the hype we were assuming is because we were 
doing the wrong thing or he did it the wrong way. And we're just, we were literally so close to veering and changing everything. And that's what happens sometimes. Like you do all the right things, they're all in the right way, but it just takes, it just takes a while for the engine, for the momentum to build, for that to come through. Same, same as a business. If you're trying to grow a business and let's say you're doing a lot of online marketing or PR or whatever, you could do, you, you do your best for six months but not get enough traction. The answer isn't necessarily to change it all. Yeah. The answer is actually just keep doing it for another six months. So we, we came very close and we said, look, we're going to give it another six months and, and see if that's, um, that's what it is. And then we move. So we were a bit patient. And as one of our team leaders who was like, look, I think it's working. I just think there haven't been enough data points, enough of it for everyone to really start going by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's why we didn't nice. veer to the left. Uh, I mean, having that strength and, and that belief in the idea and in the concept to just keep saying, you know what, well, we will give it another six months. But then also having the kind of the, I guess, the uh, understanding, the empathy to say, well, we, we listen to the people who are engaging us on a daily basis. Why do you think it's maybe not quite landing in the way we expected it to? Again, that's, uh, that's a shining example of, of leadership, which is always certainly is a subject that's close to my heart. And I think it's in any business that is going to grow and be successful in this, in this new normal, leadership is going to be absolutely key. There's no getting around that at all. No getting around that. So when we think about kind of, um, when we think about culture, we think about kind of how do, how do your team represent the on a daily day to day basis? So the win win win, absolutely, we've got that into their heads. How do you how are you now sure that kind of every single one of them is living breathing that and that they 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 are representing you? Because I guess what you're looking for is that your customers, when they speak to anybody within your team, they hear the same kind of message. So it has the same feel, the same tone, consistently. Are you confident that that's happening in your world right now? Yeah. Nice. That was a solid yes. That's not, I'm not even mucking around there. Definitely. The reason is there, I mean, I'm not everywhere. I don't know, but I see the output of it. I see how it feels to be in the company. I see how people behave in scenarios where they don't have to make, they don't have to step up or they don't have to display that, but they do, right? So uh, ultimately, all that this game is a culture—they uh, are—is is signaling what great looks like, and you can you'll know great if you see it. Uh, there's no there's no need to be in any meeting to to know that. So, yeah, am I saying that everyone's absolutely perfect? Uh, pretty close, you know. There's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of you know major deviations from kind of who we want to be collectively as a company. So. Yeah. We're up there, I'd say. And I'm very proud of everyone who's... Don't get me wrong. I was failing. Like, when we set up this game, it wasn't me coming up with them. The team came up with them. This, again, it wasn't a, I'll tell you how I need you to behave. Yeah. It was a reflection of what, who we were, who we aspired to be, and what the gaps were. And I was... And we, we gave each other feedback. The other thing we did is we gave each other feedback, and we still do it every quarter or so, on how we're doing relative to the game rules. Yeah. The transparent, non-anonymous, transparent, direct feedback about like this. Like, I don't think I was scoring the highest. Like, some things I was 100% at. Like, seeking the win-win-win is probably the one that I first know has got like pretty much 99%. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, ad. Um, but the other ones that I was, I wasn't, um, I was well below average, right? So this wasn't so much a journey for other people. It was all of us as a company had to make, you know, lift our game and see where our strengths and weaknesses or our natural biases were to get up here. Um, And don't get me wrong, there's some people who never made it and those people are no longer with the company. Um, And they chose to do that. They're like, you know, kind of this thing, like seeing the women, it's not for me. I kind of just want to do it, right? So that also meant that not many, but there's some people who went left the bus, got off the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the reality, right? It, it, I think any any business that's going to move forward in, in the right direction absolutely needs to know when somebody needs to be on the bus and somebody needs to be off the bus. You know, Jim Sullivan uh, made me smile with his kind of get on the bus and get off the bus thing. It is it's it's real deal, and I think knowing when to have how to have those conversations so that potentially people get to see that actually this is not the right place for them to be where they're not going to prosper and be happy that's the real skill i think to be honest with you i think you as you've just said you know when people are kind of making that decision for themselves then they can see that this is not for them and in the grand scheme of things you know we one of my favorite lines that somebody said to me was you can't be everybody's cup of tea that's a simple fact of life you just cannot and we've got to accept that in life and i think knowing what we are and having a clear definition around what is key and important to us as people and as a business will help them to decide if, they, in fact, they want to be supping on our tea. Simple facts of life, I guess. So when we think about leadership, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's something that's key to me. And how would you define your leadership style? This is a, this is a, a left of center question that you would not expect in. So no, it's a good question. Look, I think... Um I know exactly what leadership style is. There's no, there's no doubt about it. My naturally, we use a DISC profile. So there's okay. a lot of um, psychometric tools that we use um, in the company to help people bring awareness of who they are, what they want, and what the opportunities are. So on the DISC profile, I um, flag as a um, high D, basically yep. um, directive, straight to the point, action-oriented, goal-oriented, high achievement focus, right? So naturally, that's, in a work situation, sorry, when I'm under stress, I'm a high D. Naturally, actually, I'm really balanced. But guess what? At work, I'm mostly stressed, you know, trying to deal with a lot of stuff. And, you know, when you're, when you're a small company starting, you're always under, you know, attack. So it feels like you're under attack. So in my, the thing I default to the most is actually directive and telling people what to do. And my biggest overcoming of that I've had to do in the last five years is realizing that it's, they're never going to grow if I just give people fish. I just need to teach them how to fish. Yep. Which for Heidi is so difficult. But I got fish. We just hear some fish. I'm out. I don't like... So I had fish and I wanted to give fish to people. And slowly and over time, I actively work on just asking questions, a coaching style, mm-hmm. and trying to... Um, turn to be there. But even today, there's moments where being ID is actually the right thing because someone is new, doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so it's a more, now I look at more as called a situational leadership model yep. where you go through the four quadrants from like a, like a directive style, which is actually very good for someone with low experience and low buy-in. Um, and then you move people through, through, through the four cycles. And mm-hmm. coaching, um, coaching or supporting, it's kind of where I live most of the time now. Um, so, yeah. So I'd, I'd say this, I'd describe my style as flexible with a bias for action and ID that I'm trying to constantly overcome by being a coach. 
yeah, I, I get that completely. I um, when my disc profile is uh, high DI, so again, I'm kind of I'm just outside the circle uh, as well. So it's kind of I've got a foot out there, which they tell. Uh, I'm, I'm told makes me quite extreme in my approach. So I'm like you, kind of when things, certainly if, if things are going wrong or I've seen things need serious quick action and response, it's like it's very easy to just jump and say, right, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. But I try to use that kind of I element of the, the influencing behavior, which is, uh, I guess, kind of coming from, again, from that background of hospitality is absolutely key, to be fair, because I want to try and, whether I'm influencing guests, whether I'm influencing my team, uh, or inf- influencing onwards and upwards um, through the, the, the ranking of the business, the hierarchy of the business, you've still got to be able to do that. Really interesting. What made you choose DISC as, as, as being that kind of tool that you guys use? Uh, so I have a coach, um, I have a business coach who uh, basically introduced this to us yeah, maybe three years ago. And yeah, that's what it is. I mean, there's actually, there's just one of them we use. There's a variety of tools that we use. Uh, I picked that one because it's probably the easiest to to get across and most popular. But yeah, there's probably three tools, three, uh, you know, quite a few other tools that we use. Um, yeah, sorry, did you, did you ask something, sir? No, no. I mean, the, for me, I think you're right. The disc tool, it's it, it translates very easily and very kind of naturally to people. And I think, uh, have you ever done the exercise with the big kind of this kind of map carpet where the, the guys kind of that's that's a really useful tool. So mm. I, I deliver disc profiling, so I'm quite on the positive, quite pro disc, I would say, all day long to be fair. And one of the exercises we have, we have this huge mat, about sort of five feet in diameter, and you have all of the profiles around there. You've got the kind of the words around the edge that would use to describe, and then you do kind of various exercises where people would see themselves and fit in. And actually to be able to perceive themselves and position themselves and then compare against that report, it's a really powerful moment. So it, it, it's, it's good to see that you're, uh, that you're using kind of those kind of tools to get, to get that understanding because, you know, there are some really good examples of the way that can be put to action. And, I mean, obviously, Patrick Lencioni has talked about the kind of the uh, uh, five dysfunctions, of, uh, five behaviors of dysfunction team. I guess I always like to flip that and say, well, let's think about the five behaviors of a very, very well-functioning team. So it makes it much easier to kind of track into those things and really understand what makes sense for the business, what makes sense for the team. Nice. For sure. I'll tell you one, well, chief for anyone that might be interested. We use, so we use Slack a lot, obviously, because we're a tech company. We have a distributed team through um, India, Europe, Italy, you know, UK offices to begin with. And this obviously now where everyone's remote, but we were already distributed um, just to a good extent before. And we use Slack as, as our main tool of, of communication. And everyone's status on um, description on Slack is their disk profile. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, the circle thing you reminded me of this because like when you're interacting with someone you you have it there like it's in the status bar yeah and you know you you're like oh maybe conversations go in is just a bit of stuff and it's like oh they're high C okay and I'm a high D I like to just you know not give a lot of details and just say like when it's get done well a high C just needs actually a lot of detail to understand mm-hmm. what is um, what do I? Re- what does Nick really want to do here? Like, um, you know, how should we really done? Well, I'm like, just need to do, do that. And I was like, what is that? 
So if you get stuck, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I can remember, of course. Like this is, you know, I need to provide more detail. Yeah. Uh, and I do that. So that's how we operationalize. I think the key point is I come up with some values and game how you want to behave, but then you operationalizing them. And these are some of the small things that we kept coming up with every quarter around those six months, after those six months, to continuously trying to make um, a well-functioning team. That's nice. And that, those little kind of tools, having that little bit of reminder that actually, you know what, he's, a, he's an S. You know, so what does that S need? Does he need me to be excitable? Does he need me to be erratic? Does he need to be kind of energetic? Well, probably not. Maybe I'll just dial that back a little bit and, and actually find a way of really being able to kind of convey the message across. That's, you know, we kind of, we, we started off kind of talking about culture and talking about kind of um, what it looks like within the business. And I think you've given some some really nice examples that actually rather than just those posters um, that get stuck up on a wall in various different staff rooms around various different businesses up and down this country and never, ever get talked about. But until we want to say, well, that's, that's not in alignment with the values, so I'm going to use it as a stick to beat you with, that's sad. What you're describing is what we should be aiming for, is to live and breathe all day, every day, and make sure it's a core part of our decision-making, a core part of our thinking about what we do, how we're going to operate, and how we're going to interact and engage with the people in front of us. It's very nice to see, mate. Very nice to see. So I feel like we've had about 35 minutes of your time, and I feel like I've, uh, I've, I've asked some, some questions that you've, made, you've got me thinking now, which is nice, and I very much appreciated it. I knew this was going to be a winner, and, uh, and it feels like it was. What I would say is, you know, thanks very much. You know, um, I, I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and I, and I like the way that we EXP 101 and VitaMojo operate together. It makes perfect sense. People need to go and check out your website, so vitamojo.com. Am I I'm correct on that? Yeah. We even get another people's well website. Special, you know. And you, you've got to be on top of this stuff. Uh, go check out the website and see what you guys, uh, guys are all about. And as I say, you know, we'll, in the show notes, we'll put some links about where people can find you and can connect with you. And I would certainly say, go ahead and do it. Nick, thank you very much for your time. I've really appreciated it. It's been a really good conversation. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who are going to get some value from that because, well, everyone's looking for a little bit of hope and everyone's certainly looking for the next step and what, what does the new normal look like. And I think you've given them a, a bit of an insight into what that can be. Amazing, mate. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. We're here to help anytime. And uh, yeah, our industry will get back on track, no doubt. I think probably technology will have to be a bigger role than it had before to, to help us do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if we find those win-win-wins, we'll be good. Absolutely, we will. Perfect. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, dang. Hot dang. That was a great chat, I really enjoyed that. Really kind of got into the, what is absolutely key to the backbone of this business and really why people want to make a difference. Vita Mojo are absolutely doing that and that for me is something that we should be shouting about. So thanks very much for your time, Nick P. I really appreciate it. If you're looking for more information, go and check them out at vitamojo.com, see what they're on with, see if they can help you out. I'm very sure they will. They're great people who are looking to take the next step forward and look to help you take the next step forward.